Welcome back to one-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. I am Alex Smith, and right now I'm pinch-hitting for Jake and Chris, but don't worry, they'll be back in just a little bit. But now it is time for our Roach Report. So let's welcome onto the show via telephone, Fordham Athletic Director David Roach. David, how are you today? Terrific, Alex. How are you? It's great to be with you again. Uh, thanks for coming on. I'm doing well. So uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the last time we spoke, so I'm curious. Just catch me up to date here. What's on the agenda for you and the rest of the athletic department? Well, obviously, last weekend was a big weekend because we had the gridiron dinner on Friday night. Then on Saturday morning, we had the Hall of Fame brunch, which was a terrific event, and we inducted 10 Fordham uh, alums and uh, one person who uh, coached there one time who was an alum, Tom Penders, but mm-hmm. longtime uh, athletic director and Fordham great basketball player Frank McLaughlin was inducted uh, last Saturday, and that was a uh, Terrific highlight for all of us, and great to see Frank recognized for all he's done for Fordham Athletics uh, throughout the years. And then uh, Sunday morning we had the Breakfast for Champions where we honored 345 Fordham student-athletes who have uh, over a 3.0 overall GPA uh, during their uh, time at Rose Hill. So it was a great weekend, and probably the one thing that we have going on now administratively, we're... Uh, finished uh, interviewing three different outside companies to kind of handle our sponsorships and marketing and try and generate some additional revenue for Fordham Athletics. And we'll probably have announcement, an announcement sometime in the next couple of weeks uh, which company that will be. So that's uh, exciting for the future. And, David, I want to go back to the Hall of Fame Day, which was last Saturday. This was, of course, your first time being a part of this Fordham Hall of Fame Day. What was it like to you, you know, kind of as an outsider, but not an outsider anymore, what was it like your first time here? No, it was, uh, and I'm having a lot of firsts, uh, so it was actually <laughs> interesting. And until you actually go through it and see it, uh, people can tell you what it's like. You can watch a video of it. Uh, I watched last year's uh a video of last year's induction ceremony, but I, I thought it was really kind of neat. We had a little over 300 people uh, started with uh, math in the university church, uh, then the the brunch, and then uh, it's kind of a neat way we bring all the inductees and Father McShane and Michael Kay, the MC, up to the stage, uh, do a little welcome, and then turn it over to Michael and uh, reads about everybody, and they get their award from Father McShane and I, and then uh, one person speaks on behalf of uh, the inductees and uh it was just a terrific day and uh, now that i've seen it kind of really appreciate it and think it's a perfect uh, way to go and a great way to celebrate fordham athletics talking to fordham athletic director david roach right now on one-on-one uh david we did an interview with frank mclaughlin last week um at the hall of fame induction and he said that his biggest regret of his time as fordham's ad is that he couldn't secure a new convocation center and, and i'm just curious about your reaction first to frank getting inducted because i know you said he's been a friend for a while so what was your reaction to him being inducted and what are your reaction to his comments about the convocation center well i mean i've known frank for quite a long time uh through uh, essentially uh, even at my time at Brown when we would play Fordham in football. I think we did a five-game series with Fordham football, so I'd been on uh, campus a couple times. And then uh, through basketball, and Frank was actually on the selection committee of the NIT when uh, Brown basketball made the NIT for the first time in their history. So, you know, we go way back, and then when I was at Colgate, we would see each other at Patriot League football meetings. And I, I joke about it, but I always say that 
when the ADs get together at those meetings, they always like to play golf. And I always told the commissioner of the Patriot League that if I couldn't play with Frank, I wasn't playing because uh, you knew you were going to have a good time for 18 holes. Uh, in terms of the Convocation Center, I mean, that's something that, you know, who knows what will happen. I think that, you know, right now uh, we're focused, myself and Coach Bacora, on just – you know, getting this program going, and I, I know Coach Bacor is going to get it done. Uh, I think the other night we played uh, terrific as a team, really gelled, uh, had a chance to beat St. Joe's at, at the end. Uh, they were picked to win the Atlantic 10 right. this year. You know, a terrific game. Disappointed that not a lot of students were there, but we're going to work on that. So I think, you know, our goal right now is to pack the Rose Hill gym, make it a real tough place to play. And then once we do that and get it going, kind of, you know, see where we're at and make a decision, you know, we might decide that it's cheaper to go to Barclays or, or go down to the Garden than to build a $80 million convocation center. But, you know, we're going to look at everything and be open to everything. And uh, as I say, the number one thing is uh, supporting the Coach Bacor and his staff and Coach Gately and her staff and all of our coaches. And uh, as I've been saying uh, this semester, you know, kind of our – phrase or one that I'm trying to use all the time is be positive and step it up. So we're asking everybody to step it up and really get it going. And uh, when that happens, uh, great things can happen. All right, Dave, I want to go to a couple emailer questions that we have here. And uh, the first one comes from Mike, and he said, have goals and objectives been set for men's basketball in terms of total wins, wins in conference, or postseason play? Well, uh, I'm not a guy who really lays out numbers. Mm Mm-hmm especially when you first come in and you want to kind of get a handle on everything that's going on. And, you know, I mean, Coach Pecor and I have talked a lot about what we want to do, and I think the, the first step is having an overall winning record, and we're going to do some things next year in our scheduling that we think will, will help us achieve that. And you want to make postseason. You know, obviously the Atlantic 10 tournament, I'm not talking that in terms of postseason, but mm-hmm. overall winning record, make the Atlantic 10 tournament in a postseason event. And then you build from there. And when I looked the other night and I saw four freshmen out on the floor with Brandon Frazier uh, and us playing pretty darn good, uh, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, those goals and what we're talking about are achievable and it's exciting. But I, I, I don't never say you got to hit a number. Right. Uh, because then you kind of limit yourself and everything. You, you want to have improvement. You want to feel like the team's gelling and moving forward. And right now we've got that. I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which was scheduling. And I'm interested in, you know, how much do you play a role in that? How much do you talk with Coach Pecora? How does, you know, how does the schedule get made? How much say do you have? Uh, well, Coach Pecora and I talk a lot about it because obviously in basketball in particular and uh, football to an extent, um, your scheduling is key and you want to have home games. We want to have as many games as possible in the Rose Hill Gym. I know next year uh, we're going to have more than we had uh, this past year, uh, and it'll be games that we feel would be, you know, good competition but winnable with where we're at and where we're going. Uh, so we do talk a lot about it because, let's face it, the Atlantic 10 schedule uh, is really tough. Right. You know, it's a real competitive league. So it's not where you try and have a real hard non-conference schedule because your conference is weak. I mean, when Calipari was at Memphis, they Memphis had to have a real tough non-conference schedule because when they got into Conference USA, nothing against Conference USA, they were head and shoulders above everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at it, the Atlantic 10 is really tough. So we don't need a non-conference schedule that really builds our RPI because that's going to come with the Atlantic 10. 
We want a non-conference schedule where we play more at home than on the road, and we have a chance to be well above 500, build some momentum, some confidence, and then move into the 810 schedule. Talking to David Roach here on one-on-one. We're going to go back to the emailers' questions. This one comes from Brendan, and he says, Many schools that are similar to Fordham, and he lists Gonzaga, Xavier, uh, Butler, VCU, and a number of others. They've been able to excel in basketball and in other sports, and the one thing they have in common is no football team. At Fordham, how can you justify the largest athletics budget expenditure going to the football program while it's the one sport that does not compete at the A-10 level? Well, I would say a couple of things. One, Fordham's got a great tradition in football. Um, You know, it's a sport that we've been competitive in the past. We want to be competitive. Uh, It's not a drain on our other budgets. Uh, You know, so you can't necessarily uh, say that those schools, uh, you know, don't spend any money on football. And Butler has football. They're in the Pioneer League. They might not spend quite as much as us, but they're spending pretty good amount because Pioneer League is spread out throughout the country and you've got to fly all over the place. doesn't seem to have hurt Butler. The interesting thing about Butler is if, uh, you know, you, I couldn't ask you this question 25 years ago, but if someone asked somebody my age 25 years ago, Butler University, tell me about it, they'd probably say, I don't even know where it is. Right. But they certainly have branded their school by what they're doing in basketball. Um, and that's what we want to do. But I don't think that we're draining anything that we want to do across the board uh, by having football. And uh, we, want to be good in, uh, we want to be good in those sports. All right, and I want to go back to another email or question sure. here. And uh, let's see, this one comes from John from the class of 1992. And, and I know we talk about facilities a lot, and I know you just said, you know, maybe we can move it here or move it to the Barclays Center. But one of his questions is, is a dramatic improvement to athletic facilities a top priority right now? I mean, it. it is. I mean, I'm not sure what we mean by dramatic. Uh, the number one thing right now is we want to expand and renovate our varsity weight room. Um, you know, it's too small for what we're trying to do. Uh, we want to increase the size of it. Um, it's going to be probably about a, a 5 or $6 million project, and we're working on that. And hopefully I think that we could probably uh, do that in summer of 14. But the varsity weight room is critical to all of our programs across the board. Everybody uses it. We have two excellent strength coaches, and it's something that is really important to all of our programs. Back in the days when I coached, it was kind of something that was nice to do. Uh, now it's just uh, it's not just nice to do. It's real critical. It's important. Uh, you develop student athletes. They get you know stronger, quicker, uh, more agile and everything, and helps prevent injuries. And our strength coaches work hand-in-hand with our athletic trainers uh, to have programs that are really beneficial for everybody. All right, David, and I, I want to go away from these emailers' questions just for a second. I want to talk about uh, a real bright spot, I think, at, in Fordham Athletics right now, which is the women's basketball team. Um, they're off, they got off to their best conference start in school history. I know you've been to a number of their games. What have you thought of the job that Stephanie Gately has done in just her uh, second season here? Um, Coach Gately has done a great job, really turned it around, and I was uh, watching the game until I got on the phone here, and I think we were up 10-4 to 4 at the time. Hopefully we've expanded on that lead. Uh, in the last couple of minutes and everything. But I think Coach Gately has done a nice job of uh, kind of blending a couple of transfers that she brought in and uh, doing a nice job with the kids that were here and bringing in a couple of recruits. Um, and we're off to a great start. Uh, love the way we play, a lot of intensity. Uh, it tells you something when you can have a game where you shoot 27% and still win the game. <laughs> it means you're playing pretty pretty good defense and you're intense. 
And I think that's what uh, Coach Gately, you know, preaches to our student athletes. And I think they do a great job of uh, putting it all together and uh, doing what they set out to do. So it's an exciting time uh, for women's basketball, and uh, it's uh, look forward to the rest of the games coming up. Talking to Fordham Athletic Director David Roach here on One on One. David, I want to go back to something that you, you touched upon earlier in this interview, uh, which is getting the students to come out and getting them out in full force. W- what does the athletic department have to do to, to get more students to come to the games? That's uh, a terrific question. <laughs> I was really disappointed uh, Wednesday night with the St. Joe's game, and I tweeted about that after the game, and you know said. Students, we need you in Rose Hill Gym. Let's step it up. Uh, unfortunately, I realized this morning that tweet never went out until today. Uh, but I also uh, was a guest speaker at a class um, Thursday afternoon uh, and had about 40 students in there, and it's a sports law class in the business school. And I even said to them, I said, how many people were at the game last night? And a couple of people raised their hand. And so what did you think of the crowd? And they said, nah, you know, I said, well, it was really disappointing. So we've got, you know, 3,500, almost 4,000 students within walking distance of Rose Hill Gym. We've got Atlantic 10 basketball. And, you know, while we've, you know, our record isn't what we want it to be, we're playing really good basketball right now. When you look at the A-10 games, we've played everybody tough except the one game on the road, um, which was Dayton. So, you know, we're we're playing well, and it's exciting, but we got to get them out. And, I mean, I know they'll all come for Butler because it's Butler, mm-hmm. but we've got to get them out for the other games. And we we talk about it a lot, and I said we do promotions, we give some things away, but are we really getting the word out to the students? You know, and whether we're going on Facebook, Twitter, or however we're doing it through the six-man club, we got to get the word out. we got to get people to come and support our student-athletes. And part of it starts a little bit, too, with our student-athletes. Uh, you know, they've got to talk to people on campus, uh, ask their friends to come, um, you know, when they're in class and walking around and all that stuff. Be great ambassadors for our program and uh, love to see people come out and, and fill the place. I mean, Butler's sold out. It's not going to be an issue, uh, but it's the other games. And this uh, Wednesday night in particular, we got St. Louis at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. on CBS Sports, and we would love to have uh, a great student turnout and uh, let them have a uh, a fun time and uh, really get behind our program. And David, this is going to be my final question for you. I want to talk about Twitter for just a second because I know you're very active on Twitter and that's something that, you know, wasn't around just a few years ago. How much, you know, as an athletic director, how much has that kind of aided you and and how, you know, why, why are you so active on Twitter? What makes it so great for you? Well, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when email started, (laughs) uh, you know, but I'm old. But you always got to keep up what's going on. And one of the neat things about working in college athletics is I'm around people like you and young adults, and keeps us young and know what's going on. And you just you've got to figure out how you reach your students mm-hmm. and your fans. And it's gone from Facebook to Twitter. You know, and I would love to have 10,000 people following me on Twitter because then I know that they're into Fordham athletics. Because I'm not one of those guys who tweets that. You know, I was at Subway at a lunch for lunch <laughs> today, and I had a foot-long meatball sandwich. Right. Uh, I'm only usually tweeting tweeting about you know what Fordham is doing, Fordham athletics, and our student athletes and everything. But I mean, I'm up for any way that we could reach uh, the people that we want to support our student athletes. Fordham athletic director David Roach getting us all up to date on everything Fordham sports. David, thanks a lot for coming on. As always, thanks, Alex. Uh, great to see you, and I got to go back and watch the women now. And, on all access. All right. Well, uh, we wish them the best of luck. And again, we thank Fordham Athletic Director David Roach for coming on with us here on One on One.